0: Welcome to my podcast. I am Gray McQuarrie. You are listening to Does It Make Sense Living in Fear, a podcast about finding hope. It's been a while since my last podcast. I've been traveling and taking pictures and working on my photos. I've also listened to people and their feedback on this podcast. Most of it's positive. A lot of people like Greta, and uh, others like uh, A Gory Monster. Listeners seem to like those two characters and we'll continue with them in the future. One of the pieces of feedback that I've gotten is, aren't I gonna run out of material? Just talking about climate change? Well, I don't think I'm gonna run out of material in terms of uh, fear. You read any media article and it's usually based on fear. And uh, climate change is exceptional because it's entirely based on fear. And when anyone is trying to scare me, inevitably, they're trying to get money out of my wallet. When someone's trying to frighten me like you only have two minutes and you're going to lose your opportunity or all of life is going to melt down. If you don't support our cause or the four horsemen have arrived and you better repent and find your way to Jesus and start memorizing biblical passages. Because if you don't, you are doomed to burn in hell for all of eternity. Yes, a gory monster and Greta Thorne and my sideburger are going to help here for dramatic effect. Isn't that wonderful? I have very spiritual friends that are very in tune with the feelings of others and the environment around them and what they sense our, our higher being might be, or God, for that matter, that are completely turned off by religion, but they can't really articulate the reason why. Well, the reason why is because almost all religions, let's just say all religions, want to get money, and they want to get money from the people that show up at their church. Otherwise, they cannot function. So the easiest way of doing that isn't for you to feel good about yourself. It's to make you feel guilty so that you will give. That is probably doesn't sit well with a lot of people, especially a lot of people that enjoy going to church. I actually like going to church, be it a Catholic church or a Lutheran church, or even the synagogue for that matter. However, I do recognize that at the end of the day, the religion institution, which it is, created by man, needs money in order to function, and the easiest way to validate getting money out of your pocket it's to make you feel like, well, for example, you're a sinner and you got to pay for your sins. There are a lot of groups that operate this way. Let's take the Salvation Army. Do you want to walk by and not pay someone ringing the bell in this holiday season and have someone see you and not give them money? You are you are making the decision to give them money based on fear, fear of you're going to be a bad person and you don't want to be a bad person. Fear of your neighbor seeing you, you know, not contributing to a charity that you should be contributing to. And you want to be viewed well in your community as a good person. I'm going to give you a challenge, a little homework. The next time you walk by one of those people ringing that bell for the Salvation Army, don't give a thing. When you see the uh, church with their hand out, wanting you to give your donation, don't give anything. And I want to ask yourself how you feel after that. Write a note. Uh, Make a journal entry if you do that sort of thing. So am I wrong here in this proposition? I don't think so. If you talk to anybody who does therapy for people, people that are struggling with anxiety, people that are struggling with um, addiction problems, people that are depressed, and often all of those things go together, by the way anxiety, depression, addiction. You will find, especially if they've grown up in a very bad, abusive family or a family where the parents or some loved one, um, a husband or wife was addicted, with a tremendous amount of guilt. And uh, the, the person, the manipulator, in this sort of state of affairs, uh, either to yourself or to other beings, is trying to manipulate to get something. Um, something on the cheap, something that probably wasn't earned. And if you give in to, let's say, the addict, for example, you are enabling them, you're not helping them. You are being manipulated, and the tool being used against you is guilt and your fear of being a bad person. And this is how a religion works. It makes you feel guilty. It wants you to feel guilty so that you will hand over the De Niro. This is why my spiritual friends absolutely despise religion. And what they fail to articulate is it's operating from the principle that unless you believe, you're a bad person. The only way for you to be a good person is to demonstrate through your actions and what you say that you are a believer. That is why I state again, climate change is a religion. It is not, and it doesn't have anything to do with reality or science. For a climate change believer, reality and the truth have no meaning. It's the fact that there is a higher purpose, and we will achieve that higher purpose if you do what it is that we say to tell you to do. It is about control, It is about giving up your freedom. It is about not having all of the things that you want. It is about someone else, like the government, telling you exactly what to do. It is about, and completely about, authoritarianism. This struggle has been going on since the birth of our country, and we're going to have to stick up for it, stick up for our freedom, stick up for our rights. Stick up for the free markets that provide plenty of supply for energy. The variety of things we can find in the store. The neighborhoods that we choose to live in. The variety of work and professions we can participate in. The number of golf courses we can go play golf. The number of restaurants and bars and, and coffee shops we can enjoy with friends and loved ones. Especially in this country enjoy a really rich life, as well as the Western world really enjoys a rich life. What's wrong with this capitalism? Well, you are destroying the environment. You are destroying specifically the climate with your capitalistic belief system. Am I off my rocker on this, that this is what climate change is about? Well, let's listen to the words of Greta Thornberg who's going, and Greta Thorn in my side burger is going to recite what Greta said at the UN a few years back.
1: My message is that we'll be watching you. This is all wrong. I should be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us, young people, for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm the one of the lucky ones
0: You are listening to the podcast, Does It Make Sense to Live in Fear? A podcast about finding hope. As funny as this sounds, it's not funny at all. If you slow down and you really think and try to repress the fear element that's trying to shut down your cognitive thinking skills, because that's what fear does. We'll talk about it in another episode about what how fear shuts everything down. She did not write these words. That should be frightening. The second thing is it's constructed very, very precisely. And if you catch the end of what she, sh- she said in that paragraph fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? That is an attack on capitalism. She is trying to make you feel guilty about doing the things that you do, buying the things that you buy, having the things that you have. Living the life that you want, it's an attack on the American dream. This is about a government institution trying to tell you what you can and cannot have. Is it the UN that wants to do this? Is it the United States wanting to turn into the former Soviet Union? I'm not sure. But it is about them having power and control over you and you having less freedom and liberty. They are using fear to manipulate you to get what they want. It's been tried before in different packages, and this is the latest package and latest attempt to do this once again to us. And they're doing it as a religion so that... You have to do what they say, otherwise you are a climate denier and you will burn in hell for all of eternity. If you still don't believe me that this is their motive, let's listen to more what Greta had to say at the UN. And who knows who really wrote this for her? That just scares the crap out of me. The fact that we don't know who is behind the curtain.
1: The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees Celsius, and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops. Additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice.
0: So here is how our speech was constructed. List out a whole bunch of stuff to scare you so that you're not even thinking, and then reveal to you what it is they're really up to. Equity and climate justice. If you really focus on that, As the topic, it will lead you straight to Karl Marx and their belief that the capitalistic system in which we've all thrived, where we now live longer, where generation after generation has lived better than the generation before it is evil and bad. And we must return to something like the dark ages where the church or the government or whatever institution it is where we serve the institution and the institution tells us what we can and can't have and how we live and how we die. It is a world where we, the people, no longer exist and the authoritarian government thrives. I am so glad I don't live in communist China And they have absolutely no plan to curb their CO2 uh, emissions at all. And Al Gore won a Nobel Prize for this Marxist crap. And by the way, the polar bear population is exploding. So what's up with the polar bears? And the scarier question is, why did Al Gore win the Nobel Prize for this Marxist crap. Speaking of Al Gore, this is what he had to say, uh, I think it was at the last Davos. I have asked a gory monster to read from this climate scripture passage. We're still putting 162 million tons of greenhouse gases into it, our thin atmosphere, every single day, and the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the earth. Holy crap, Batman. I am really starting to panic. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land, and creating the droughts, and melting the ice, and raising the sea level, and causing these waves of climate refugees. This clearly is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The same tactic that Greta used is the same tactic that Mr. Gore is using. He's scaring you at first, and then revealing what it is he really wants, or his group really wants or whoever is the person behind the curtain wants. So what did Gore say at the end? He said, this is what's causing this massive influx of refugees. In fact, he called them climate refugees. And if you were to engage in conversation, based on my research, where that's going to lead you is a policy of open borders. And what open border means is that a country like the United States, or Sweden, or Europe, for that matter, Switzerland, if they have a policy of open borders, there's no longer a country. So there, therefore, there has to be a different structure of governance. And uh, that's another topic of a future episode in terms of what that is all about, and how they're using fear to steer you in that direction. Climate change serves their purposes. Climate change, when you look at the science, is complete and utter nonsense. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. I've been meaning to get to it, but I felt I really needed to lay the foundation of really what's going on. And then you will see that there is no scientific support for this nonsense that Greta talks about and what Mr. Gore talks about. For now, let me share with you this article from the Climate Discussion Nexus Al Gore Cries on Atmospheric River in Davos. Continuing with our fact check, this is a quote of Al Gore's rant in Davos, we come to his claim that you know what it is, creating these atmospheric rivers. And, quote, atmospheric rivers, unquote, is admittedly a very impressive piece of rhetorical imagery. But there are as normal as the regular kind of river and have been around at least as long. The specific term was coined in 1998 to describe a pattern observed in the water cycle in which about 90% of the water vapor moving poleward in the atmosphere out of the tropics gathered itself up into relatively narrow channels that only took up about 10% of the available space. Because of the concentration of moisture, they do play an important role in determining where rainfall will land, but they didn't appear in 1988, 1998. Rather, they seem to be a normal, permanent element of the Earth's climate system, though the IPCC didn't discuss them, until its most recent sixth assessment report, where they said they might be a bit more common now than in the past, but maybe not. And even if they are, there is no evidence tying the change to greenhouse gases. But what would they know? Al Gore hath spoken. And in my opinion, Al Gore is full of nothing but hot air, And what he talks about with regards to climate is complete, utter fantasy. But did I win the Nobel Prize? No. You are listening to the podcast. Does it make sense to live in fear? A podcast about finding hope. Here are some of my thoughts as we get close to the end of this episode. I also have very spiritual people that really love the religion and love going to church, and it really adds a lot to their life. And they don't righteously hammer home that this is the only way that you can live life. They just state and uh, they demonstrate that they're happy and uh, they love doing what they're doing, and they find meaning in their activities or church activities. So it's not that I'm against that. I'm against doing it for reasons um, that you're afraid or you're feeling guilty, which leaves you open to manipulation or you feel that you have to do what they say in order to be a good person as opposed to a bad person. For me, I believe that God created me and others, and I know I'm a good person, and I don't have to prove it to anyone other than Uh, the creator, or God. The other point is that there's really an unlimited number of topics here where climate change can be sort of a focus and an example. Climate change today presents a platform for people that insist on controlling others, the ability to carry out their mission to control you. This behavior, unfortunately, is part of our human condition. It is the bottom-line reason why our Constitution was constructed the way it was by our founding fathers. There are a tremendous number of narcissistic, sociopathic people in Washington. And they would love to be able to control the world, but it is impossible the way our government works. One loophole would be an emergency, like a health emergency or a climate emergency. In such a situation, you could have a leader in perpetuity without an election. I could see that possibility. It becomes a power grab. These types of people don't want the population to grow because they lose control. Because the economy would grow, and they would lose control. And that is why they are they like to say the world is overpopulated and we're destroying the planet. But the overpopulation stuff that we talked about in a previous episode never came to fruition. So thus the climate movement. So when they revisit, because oftentimes in private they will, share that they're worried about the world's population and awful things happening because of it, what they're really saying is they're really scared about losing control and losing their power. This is why technology scares them, because they feel their power slipping away. This is why they want fewer people to have babies. And uh, we'll visit that in a future episode. If you don't believe me, Go back and look what the uh, Greenies in Washington are saying about that. Bottom line, there is no climate crisis, and there is no climate emergency, and anybody saying that, and they're they're holding political office, especially a high-level political office, they're up to no good. That is the bottom line. What's funny about this is when I talk to a true climate zealot, That wouldn't it be wonderful if there wasn't a climate emergency? I see panic in their eyes. And yet, that is the truth. There is no climate emergency. We have every reason to be hopeful about the future. We have every reason that the next generation will live better than us. We have every reason, and it's mentally healthy, by the way, to feel happy and optimistic. Does it make sense that we would let others or anything disrupt that feeling of optimism and happiness and confidence? So when you hear Greta and other climate activists trying to make you feel guilty, scared and panic, like,
1: I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act.
0: Understand that they want you to feel weak and they want to manipulate you into doing things that you have no power to control. They're not trying to serve your best interests and there's nothing wrong with you doing what's best for you and what's healthiest for you. And being panicked is not a healthy place to be. So they don't have a right to do that to you. You've been listening to my podcast, Does It Make Sense Living in Fear? A podcast about being and living and having hope.